Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Res- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish. New episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the pod cabin with Tony Thaxton. Hello. Oh, hello. Just I there's also another special person who I'll bring in in just a moment, but I just want to give everyone an update. The termite situation. Yeah. There's been neither hide nor hair, no ti- nor tiny wood poop nor wing or anything of termites. I think I solved it myself. I told you it's it's not it's it doesn't have to be a huge deal. But they don't tell you that. They right. tell you big you termite doesn't let you know this. They tell you you need to tent. You need to possibly vacate the premises. You need to spend thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. or else your podcast studio will come crumbling down around you. And I said that is inconvenient. I'll just handle it myself. They said don't do it. Daniel said don't do it. Everyone, especially men, told me <laughs> not to do it. <laughs> but I said. I'm going to do it myself. And what, you just used cleaning products? Is that all you did, right? That's what, I started with cleaning products. And then I bought some insecticide. And on the list of bugs that it kills, termites, not on there, because they don't want you to know. (laughs) What's the deal? Uh, That's right. That's my favorite Seinfeld bit about. (laughs) (laughs) What's the deal with insecticide? Uh So I just sprayed it into the wall and I grimaced while I did it, lest any uh, droplets hit my face, but I don't think they did. I washed my hands afterwards pretty well. (laughs) But what about Uh, your face? Nope. Okay. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. There's some weird discoloration happening, but maybe it's been weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it, and every day when I check, which is not every day, actually, that was a, just a bald face lie. When I come in here to do the podcast and I check, Mm -hmm. um, there's no more evidence of termites. I think you're good. I think I'm good. I think so. Enough of this silliness. Let's bring in Scott Ackerman, comedian, actor, writer, director, host. You know him from the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. Also, TV show of the same name. Also, you talking U2 to me, Are You Talking R.E.M. to me, Freedom. He co-created Between Two Ferns. He's written for Mr. Show. He's done a ton of other stuff. The the credits are too many to mention. He's also been on this show like four years ago, and now he's back. Hello, welcome. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome back. Allison, is that your style to grimace less droplets hit your face? <laughs> in general, in, yeah. In your personal life? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You'd have to ask other people about that. Okay. I think so. Will do. Yeah. Do you ever um, realize that you've been grimacing or making some kind of face? Usually I yeah. realize it... Uh, when I have some sort of crazy headache afterwards. And I'm like, what was I doing with right. my head? <laughs> Just frowning. I, I had a, 
a bad poker face when I would when I was in theater school and I would watch productions that I didn't like and I would mm. just be sitting there going what <laughs> the entire time and people would say you need to put on a better poker face because like all of the students and teachers are watching right. you sitting there judging the whole thing the entire time I actually kind of have no poker face mm. I've been told this before do you play poker I, I seem to feel like you do but I well it's funny you say that because mm-hmm. I don't regularly play right. it but, but for some reason I think I have intel that you you have or something did we talk about that i don't recall um i have before yes yeah. and i've actually played in las vegas not like in a tournament or anything right although my mom has and i think she won mm. um, anyone can say they've played <laughs> poker in las vegas you just go there and right. give them money and- yes no but a lot of people will stay away from the actual cards they just want to play video poker because mm, they're intimidated yeah. by the actual cards right and i feel like if i were to go there now i would be but when i was 21 and all of a sudden uh, I could do whatever I wanted. Yeah. I did. Well, are you a poker player? Uh, I have played poker. I played in a weekly game for a long time. That's how I met John Hamm, strangely enough, mm. um, back before Mad Men. And he told me about his Mad Men show. I said, well, that's adorable. <laughs> um, AMC, poor John. Huh? Nothing will ever come of him. Um, but, uh, you know, actually, when I was 25, I used to go to Vegas and play blackjack uh, for money, basically. Uh, I would go with my friend and my friend's father, and my friend's father would give us like uh, $500 or something, and then you were expected to give it back to him at the end of the weekend, mm-hmm. you know? And and then I would sometimes come home with like, you know, $2,000 or something like that, you know, and uh, and be betting on hands for like thousands of dollars on one hand and stuff, just like crazy stuff. And then I think at a certain point I wised up to the fact that that's not very smart and I just stopped doing it. Did you have a system like real gamblers do where No, I didn't count cards or anything like that. I was just kind of playing the odds and not getting intimidated, you know, by the fact that you just knowing that eventually you're going to have to win and knowing when to bet. Right. Pretty much? No, I don't I don't mean counting cards. I mean there's like a, a system for increasing the bets mm. so that um, I guess it's like so that when you win it, so that you're betting with house money. That's what they say. Right. Yeah. I tried once the thing of like doubling your bet mm-hmm. if you lose all the time, because technically that will technically you'll never lose money that way. Feels like you will, though. You just will run out if you ha- don't have enough if you haven't brought enough. That's, right. that's the issue with it. Like I, I did that once and I just I think I lost 13 in a row and if you keep like you start with five, if you lose, then you bet 10. And if you win, you make your five back. Mm. You know what I mean? That seems like chasing but, money. But that's the thing is, is like, if you bet five and you lose, then you bet 10 and you lose, then you bet 20 and you lose, then you bet 40 and you lose, then you bet 80 and you lose, then you bet 160, 320, 640. Like if you're nine hands in, 10 hands in, suddenly it's like thou- over a thousand dollars, you know, and it's kind of easy to do in blackjack to, to lose that many times yeah. just to make your $5 back. You know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Right now. But if you had an unlimited amount of money, you could do whatever you wanted and never lose money. Does that make sense? It does. I, if I had an unlimited really? amount of money, I don't think blackjack's what I do with it. Yeah. But it, I'd get my house tented. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, that's what, my my friend's dad lived in Vegas and he would he would gamble for a living and he mm-hmm. he had 
he basically had a budget of if he didn't come back with $400 a day or something like that, then, you know, that's what he had to do in order to make his rent and all that kind of stuff. So it was just, I, I did that for a, a couple of years, you know, off and on. And it was, it was interesting, but, um, was yeah. this at a time that you needed the money? Yeah. I had basically, I went to theater school and then I, traveled around doing musical theater um, across the country for a little bit. And then I, I moved to Milwaukee to, to live with my girlfriend who was, who was in uh, at Milwaukee rep. Um, and the classic tale, uh, I got there on Halloween night uh, after a three day train trip, mm. which took all my money. Uh, she told me she was no longer in love with me November 1st. Oh, <laughs> and no. Then I had to, work to get the money to go back to buy a plane trip uh, right. back. So I took a, a job in Indiana um, doing theater for two months while I was like trying to save the relationship, like traveling back to Milwaukee on the weekends going, why don't you love me anymore? Yeah. And then uh, flew back to basically live with my parents uh, in Orange County here in California. And so, yeah, I was just broke. I, w <clears throat> I went to work at the Olive Garden in um, on Catella, and uh, did that for six months while I was gambling. And then six months into it, um, in the shadow of the O.J. Simpson trial and murders, mm. um, which I listened to his Ford Bronco chase in the walk-in, um, that they were broadcasting it on the radio. Yeah. Um, and he drove right by us. Um, I pretty much like got enough money to buy a car, which I didn't have, and and enough to like you know rent a place. So I I. Uh, moved to Azusa, California, which is another tale. Um, yeah. Why did this girlfriend uh, have such poor timing? And also, why did she <laughs> want to break up? Uh, she, w we're friends. So it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, no ill will. We were both young. Mm -hmm. I, I just think it was one of those things where it was like, she, she fell in love with some other dude mm. and didn't want to tell me. Like, you know, maybe tell me before I go right. move in with you, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, yeah, I was moving there of like, okay, uh, Halloween, but you get out of this program in May, and then we'll move to L.A. and be together and all this kind of stuff. And right. It did not work out that way. But she's cool. I like her. Uh, when you were her last. Her family is, are big fans. Of. Her, all, of Comedy Bang Bang. Her kids. Well, good. <clears throat> yes. That's um, what matters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hope that everyone that I've ever dated listens. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure they do. Yeah. It is nice. I will say she texted me when the Between Two Ferns movie came out and said she really liked it. And it's like, you know, uh, I she's one of the only ex-girlfriends that I keep up with. So it is nice that you're like, hey, you know, that's nice that this person that I spent time with yeah. that is 30 years ago, uh, still we're still in touch. You should still ask her to reimburse that train ticket, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. I never even asked her for it. Yeah. Whoa. How much was it, do you think? Okay, so a train ticket from Union Station to Milwaukee, probably at the time, we're talking 1993 or four. I bet it had to have been around $80. Mm -hmm. And then the plane trip back was like 200 and something. And I remember I all I had was a trunk with all of my possessions in it, like all my CDs and all my clothes. And I got to the airport and they were like, well, this is going to be – this is too heavy. This is going to be $50. And I was broke. Oh, all I had was the money to fly home. And I was like, I'm broke. And it was Christmas Eve. <laughs> and he was like, Merry Christmas, man. Just put it on the plane. So oh, that that's really nice. nice. Yeah. 
That is nice of them. Um, but yeah, it was probably probably round trip somewhere in the realm of three hundred dollars. Uh, when you were last on, uh, we were talking about relationships and breakups and things like that. And you said that um, there were plenty of breakups where you were like really broken up about it, and you wished that someone had just sa- had said to you, "Hey, man, who cares? Go fuck other people." <laughs> like that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> uh, I'll take you at young, your word. You're young. And yeah, young people. Yeah. Young people. It's like at all of my breakups, I think about them back then, and I just go. I would blame the other person. I would kind of go nowadays. I look back at it and go, you're young. People like to have sex with each other. <laughs> like you can't get too mad at someone who is like, Oh, I cheated on you. You know, we're 20. Who cares? You know? So yeah, I, d- I don't harbor any ill will to anyone back in the day. I hope they don't to me. Do you think they do? I don't know. I had a theory. I had a friend who, when we would drive in his car, maybe I said this on the previous show. Now I'm very concerned. I'm saying everything I said on the previous show. Uh, is it the story about how he would yell, hey, fuck you, when he was uh, cutting someone cutting, off? Yes, exactly. Cut yes, off. so I yes. did tell this story. Go back yeah, and listen to the old, other but one. But you know what? I feel like it's hard for someone to find an episode that's four years old, so please tell okay. this again. Because so my, like friend, my friend, when we would drive, I would be a passenger. He would... Uh, if anyone would cut him off, he'd go, fuck you. And then he would cut people off and people would beep at him. He'd go, fuck you. And I'd go, <laughs> well, you can't have it both ways. Like, you you know, you you have to either be like, fuck you when people cut you off. And then when you cut people off, go, I'm so sorry. That was a total. Th- yes, I agree. You should be yelling fuck you at me or vice versa. And that's how I felt about relationships after a while is like, I I can't be the person who is getting mad at people breaking up with me while I go do that to other people. Mm-hmm. So I, eventually just everything became a wash to me where I was like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> you want you want to break up? You want to be with other people? I understand. Right. Yeah. And I think you also talked about wishing that everyone wasn't always seeking closure. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I don't know what I said about it, but I, I can imagine like relationships are just, it's the Greg Barron thing of just, the other person does not want to be with you anymore. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can't, there's no good reason. And people right. make up reasons, you know, to make them sound better, but there's, there's no reason. It's just like, Oh no, I'm just, I'm not in love with you anymore. I just want to be with someone else. Right. Well, I remember a therapist saying to me years ago that like, if someone's not interested in you, that's not about you. That's about them. And it was as if she was speaking another language to me. It's <laughs> like how, but that's exactly about, it's about, it has to do with me. It's about me. But now I actually understand what she was saying, which is that it's, it's about what they're looking for. Yeah. You know, it's like there's there's not necessarily anything wrong with you. They and just, you can't be that, pr- you know, I, I I would get so upset about women who didn't want to date me. So not uh, that upset, like I'm going to shoot up a school or anything. But I would get bummed about, you know, when I was 20 about um, women that I really liked who weren't interested in me. And I'd be, but we're so perfect for each other. It's not about me. It's They're just not interested. And that's not, you know, you can't like get involved in that way you know you can't get too upset about that yeah i remember this guy that i i genuinely we were dating and i genuinely liked him he's a little bit older and then he broke up with me and said it was because he just michael jackson (laughs) (laughs) oh wait no yes (laughs) um he just didn't feel like this one was gonna go the distance Mm. and i didn't again it was like i was like i don't 
I like. I feel like you're speaking another language, even though that's like pretty clear. What and he's that's saying. the thing is he could be telling the truth. He could be lying. He could be like like most people when they break up with someone, they try to find a good reason mm-hmm. of why it's not going to happen, one that will make sense to the other person, and right. and yet not be as cruel as what it really is, which is just like not I'm just you. not into it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, and but he might have been telling the truth about he did not see a future with you right. in that way of but and, that hurt me because I was like but but why because I hadn't decided that I didn't yet right. you know and I remember being hung up on the why yeah. even though it wasn't like I wanted to marry I don't know it's at the end of the day after a relationship it's going to hurt I know this is like reductive and simplifies it but you just kind of got to be like good game good yeah. game <laughs> all right <laughs> shake hands and be like. I understand. And what's right. weird is like the, 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 the woman from Milwaukee, um, I was so bummed and I was so like pitying about it. I was not attractive anymore. You know what I mean? So if I had just been like, all right, okay. And then gone about my business, I think she would have been like suddenly reeled back in, you know, right. if I had just been the person that she first fell in love with. So it's always, I don't know, you know, Getting upset about relationships, it sucks, but um, but I also don't like – I understand why people have to put on these weird stories that they tell people about why they're breaking up, you know, but I would say 75% of the time it's not true. Right. And I will say this to anyone out there whose heart is broken. Uh, I My heart was – I was wound up and beside myself so very many times – as a young person, I don't now wish I were with any of those people. Yeah. Like, when you get to a certain age and you're like, oh, I, it pretty much turned out the way it was supposed to. I'd like to rotate through all of them on a, like, you know, Monday I'm with one of them, right. Tuesday I'm with a different yeah. one. I think that would be the perfect life. Mm. How would Kulop feel about that? Uh, she would be Sunday. <laughs> she'd get the best <laughs> day. Yeah, she'd get football day. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it just works out the way it works out. But that's not to say, like... You know, for some people, it works out horribly when they're older. So, yeah, you know, I, I it, it is bad. And I'm not saying that people should not feel bad because, you know, you're going to feel bad that something that you wanted didn't mm-hmm. work out. But it, it also is just there aren't reasons for it. There aren't these searching like when I watch The Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise, they're all like. You broke up with me, and then I just—I've spent the last two months needing closure and wondering what what the reason is, and then the person has to make up some reason right. and be like, "Well, I thought that you, you know," and it all comes down to I like this other person better, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, I know it never is. The, it's never intellectual. I think that we try to intellectualize it just to make sense of our feelings, mm-hmm. but it's sort of, and it's also feelings are kind of beyond your control too, which I hate. I hate that about feelings. Yeah. But this isn't a relationship podcast. It's I not. Mean, it can be. I mean, you have best friend in the title. You're right. It could be. You know, mm-hmm. I know we're joking, but when I started it, we I were? did. <laughs> <laughs> News to me. <laughs> Only semi-joking. Um, when I started the podcast, I thought I was going to focus it on relationships. So this oh, really? is a real throwback. Why did you think that? Is that something that you were interested in or I found think, that your yes. conversations yeah, led I, to? Yes. And I felt like I needed to sort of give it a focus and I was interested in relationships and yeah. When you started, were you married or? No, I Mm. hadn't met 
Daniel yet. Well, so this podcast, Allison Roses and Your Best Friends, started actually as a streaming internet show when yes. I lived in New York. And I would do it once a week for three hours for my apartment. It's like a talk show in my living room. And I was very single at that point. Um, and I would actually talk about being single and dating and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I moved to California, started on the Adam Carolla show, brought it back as a podcast like a year or two into that. So at that point, I was dating Daniel, my then Current. boyfriend. We broke up and got married. Yes. That's <laughs> How you. do you say it? Uh, I call cool up my ex-girlfriend because you can't marry – you can't get married and have a you know have a girlfriend. Right. That's you know you can't get engaged while you have a girlfriend, so you have to break up with them, <laughs> and then immediately say, "Will you right. marry me?" Exactly. <laughs> so, um, between two friends, the movie. Yes. Let's talk about this. Okay. Uh, I watched it. it. Was hilarious. Thank you. Everyone had told me it was hilarious, and they well, were right. Why didn't you listen to them? No, I did though, because I didn't want my ex- expectations to be too high. Yeah, I want to go it. and do it cold. I think people should watch it and not expect anything because they may hate it. So, um, you know, just go in thinking, uh, movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you, when you were last on, you were talking about, um, about like what you bring to a writer's room and about learning to write on Mr. Show. How do you have the energy to listen to previous episodes? (laughs) Like I (laughs) will never, I have to do it for my best ofs at the end of the Mm -hmm. year, listen to previous episodes. It's draining. How did you listen to us talk for an hour and now you're talking to me for another hour? (laughs) You know what's God, I feel so sorry. I, I accept your apology. (laughs) I like to, when it's someone who's coming back, I like to go back and listen just Mm. so that, just because it, it, Reminds me of a lot of stuff. Right. Um, and so that we don't, so that I don't ask this, the questions that I've already right. asked necessarily. Right. Um, I tend to put it off because I'm like, I don't want to listen to myself. Oh, so I yeah. understand what you're saying, the hesitation. I'm never like excited to dive into hearing myself talk for some reason. It's really I already weird, lived though. it. I don't want to relive it. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. But then once I put it on, I'm always like, Oh, this was a good episode. Oh, I'm happy to hear this. So yeah. I don't know what the reluctance is to, there to are occasion in. on occasion. I will have to listen to something back and I'll enjoy it. And I'll be like, yeah. ah, those guys were so funny. It's usually about the other people. Yes. There, yeah. but there, there is this real resistance to doing it. I, yeah. I, I admit to that. Um, but anyway, you were saying that I think, um, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross taught, they were like, what are we saying with the bit? It's not mm. enough that it's just funny, but what are we saying? What's our point? What are we trying to say? Um, and I was, and you said that you, you, you know, have taken this with you and with between two ferns, both as, um, as the internet, you know, show. And then now the movie, what are you, what do you think you're trying to say with that? Well, that was a challenge for us for the movie because that was um, sort of paramount in our thinking of what are we trying to say with the with the the series. I think a lot of it has to do with celebrity culture and how facile it is and um, what bullshit it is. And um, you know, it's a little bit about how interviews these days are so pre-planned and. Um, you know, none of these questions would make it through on a real talk show. I had one talk show host say to me, you know, your show is the type of show that we all wish we could do, Mm. um, but we're not allowed to. Um, So as far as the movie goes, what are we trying to say? That was, that was a big challenge in the writing of it because um, for a minute, for a couple of years, actually, like this has gone through development process for a while. 
um, for a little while, we were leaning too heavily on theme. Uh, a lot of times I think I heard a quote that writing to theme is writing, you know, that if you're writing a screenplay or something, you should always be writing to theme and every scene should always be about what are you trying to say in a larger sense? And, and that is writing. Mm-hmm. Um, that said with comedy, I don't know anymore because we, you know, in, in the conceptualization of the plot, I was trying to go a little overboard with the theme, and I think we got very arch with our original plot. Actually, the original plot, all of the stuff that we were talking about for the original plot ended up being Baskets, the TV show. Mm. Um, And then... Which I have not seen, so can you break that down for me? He's a rodeo clown in Bakersfield. We were talking about Oklahoma. Um, Martha Kelly is his assistant and they just kind of have a lot of scenes where he's broke and doesn't, it's just hanging out with them a lot. And he's got a twin brother. Uh, and so a lot of that was what we were talking about originally. And I kept saying like, well, I don't, it doesn't sound like a between two ferns thing to me because you know, between two ferns essentially is celebrities and you know, uh, like a roast of celebrities and none of the ideas lent themselves to him get to getting involved with celebrities. Mm-hmm. So he, went and turned that into baskets. But then we were talking about something that I was like, well, the, what are we trying to say? What's the theme? We're trying to to break down celebrity culture, right? You you and I hate celebrity culture. Um, so we, we thought of a crazy plot that was like, Zach's show finally takes down celebrity culture and celebrities are then hunted <laughs> and like have to live in basements like Anne Frank. Meanwhile, firefighters and teachers become celebrities, mm-hmm. and then they start teachers and and policemen, and uh, they start going to clubs and being photographed by paparazzi. And it was just like, and it it also became about like Zach unplugging the internet and stuff like that. So it just got so complicated that I felt like I needed to refocus myself. Um, so we took, Zach started doing baskets and meanwhile, I'm in the middle of doing comedy bang bang. So, um, we're both really busy and, but when, when comedy bang bang wound down, I, I just said, you know what? Okay. Let me take a look at other movies that I like that are like that, that we aspire to be. Um, so spinal tap, um, Wayne's world waiting for Guffman um, things like that I, I rewatched and they're very simple. They're just very simple. And if they have a, a, a message, they're, they're very small about friendship or something, <laughs> you know, about, about, um, you know, s- believing in yourself and stuff. But, the, but, but in Wayne's world, you notice like the plot is basically they'll do five minutes of plot for every 20 minutes of jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and spinal tap is a lot like that. It's like ostensibly, saying that these types of bands are ridiculous, but at its heart, it's a movie about friendship. So I just wanted to be very light on theme with this. And, and, and weirdly enough, we, we shot like a five hour movie. Um, we shot way more about theme than ended up in the movie. Um, in the testing process, we found that people just did not care. And so the, when you say about theme and what mm-hmm. was the theme that you're talking about in this case? Well, there there was a lot about uh, 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 there were two wonderful actors who played um, Zach's parents uh, and it was a lot about uh, and we sort of based it on my relationship with my parents, not Zach's relationship with his real parents, um, but 
sort of about, uh, you know, how do you work through coming from a situation where people don't believe in you and how do you kind of at what point do you let that go mm-hmm. and um so there was a lot of stuff and we shot a lot of scenes with the parents um and what was interesting about this film is figuring out <clears throat> in testing what people cared about and what people did not care about and when they went to see a between two ferns movie all they cared about was zach insulting celebrities <laughs> and that was it and so we beefed up all of the interviews and made them longer because originally like I was like, no one's going to care about these interviews. You can watch them on the internet. So they were all like 30 seconds long in the movie. So we beefed them all up to like two minutes, Mm -hmm. two and a half minutes. Sometimes we cut out everything about that was too maudlin about his parents. And we just cut out anything that wasn't a joke. And so was the stuff with his parents funny? It was okay. Yeah, I mean, they're really funny actors, uh, and Luca Jones played his brother, and that was really funny. Um, and But it was it was a bummer for people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the movie originally ended, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but it ends, it ends right now with uh, uh, Zach interviewing a celebrity, and it goes really well. And but he's sold out and his friends all know that he's sold out and convince him to um, come back to North Carolina with them. Um, but it originally ended with him failing mm-hmm. and uh, in front of his parents and um, and then figuring out that he doesn't care anymore, you know, <laughs> which doesn't was doesn't care about their approval, doesn't care about their approval. It was like coming through the fire with him and people just thought it was a bummer. And so. They're like, I came here to see a funny movie. Why? What is with all this stuff, all this emotional content, you know? And anytime we would put a scene where, where you know, anyone would say anything just like plainly to someone without a joke, uh, they did not like it. Did that, was that, how did you feel about that? I felt okay. I mean, ultimately, you have to trust the audience and I think... You know, on Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show, we would do we would do emotional arcs all the time in every episode, and yet they would still be funny. And I think, you know, but because of the process and the improv nature of it, I think, especially Netflix, they wanted me to not shy away from doing real emotional takes uh, if we had the chance. So we did a whole bunch of those and put them into early cuts and and people did not care about them. So so occasionally I'll read a review of the movie and they'll say like well it's not well made. It's not it has n- no reason to be there. All it is is really funny. <laughs> and I'll say well that's the edit that we made. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are other edits where yeah, I could show you all the really great shots that I did and linger on them. And, you know, we shot a whole dream sequence that's very well shot and really interesting. And, or I could, you know, also put on all the emotional content into it and you would probably hate the movie. <laughs> right now, all I did was make a really funny 82-minute movie that people, like, seem to really like. So, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really successful in that way because usually yeah. when you when there's something short that you like and then you hear like, oh, I'm going to get almost two hours of it. It's like, I hope it can sustain it. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I thought you really hit it out of the park 
in that it was hilarious and the whole time. And I think we did still have the emotional content in the movie about Zach, uh, who who starts the movie as a very lonely person uh, who doesn't have any real relationships with people. By the end of the movie, has formed uh, relationships with his coworkers. Mm-hmm. So I think that provides the emotional content. But but in reshoots, I reshot a lot of those scenes, and I just like put made them as short as I can and and put as many jokes into it as mm-hmm. I could so that it's not just people expressing feelings to each other, which will slow down the movie. You know? Right. Did you have something to say, Tony? Uh, no, I was just going to... Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. My <laughs> pleasure. No, basically just that... Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is a dumb guy. T- well, no, I can confirm it's a dumb guy talking. <laughs> uh, but but no, if, if I'm watching something like Between Two Ferns, like... Uh, nothing against like if you are trying to do a bigger thing but like yeah i i'm i'm there for the jokes and that's uh, it. but i but i also understand yeah. why you would want to do more than that's that that's it spinal tap has really great emotional yeah. stuff in it and it was based on essentially a sketch right um it just kind of depends you have to listen to the audience and like thank goodness we shot enough stuff that it, it we weren't like oh man if we cut the family out we're screwed because now we only have a 60 minute movie or whatever, you know, um, we, we had an an abundance of material to choose from. And so almost too much in a way to where it could have been so many different movies. And and this is the one that we chose. Yeah. Did you tell the actors who played the parent, did you break up with them? Yeah. How did that go? Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know them personally. So I sent them notes. Um, I hope it went okay. They're they're really great. Um, there there were a few. I mean, we had to cut a lot of people out of the movie. So mm-hmm. if they were a personal friend of mine, I usually called them or 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 emailed them. Um, you know, and most people have been in this situation before, so it wasn't right. a surprise. Um, but. I felt bad about Luca Jones playing his brother because I saw him when it was still in, and it was I was testing it and. I thought there was no way it would get cut out. And I saw him and, he, and he's like, oh, I'm still in the movie. He he couldn't even believe it. I'm like, you're never being cut out. And then <laughs> a month later, I cut him out and I was like, I am so sorry. Wow. It's tough. It's a tough. I've had to cut people out of a few things and it's just like, it's, it's bad. Yeah. You know, I, f- I just feel bad. I've been on the other side of it and, you know, as night and everyone was so nice about it, but I know that it, it's kind of a bummer and everyone likes you know, a lot of people sort of did me a favor being in the movie you know although i guess being in a movie is fun but i what, don't know what have you been cut out of i have i been cut out of something i don't work enough to be cut out of mm. things <laughs> usually if i'm in something uh when i was in the bolton thing which i co-directed but akiva directed my scenes uh he had me and Nicole Byer, we improved for like 25 minutes. And I'm like, looking, I'm going, you're not going to use this. He's like, I'm just, I'm having fun watching you. I'm like, we're using like 20 seconds. Why are we improving for 25 <laughs> minutes? I don't know that I've been cut out of, out of anything, but I've had to break it to enough actors who I, who have been cut out of stuff mm-hmm. that it's, you know, it's, it's not fun. Have you considered giving them a pair of Bomba socks, the best socks in the world to just, so that you're to sending them on their cushion way. the blow. Literally exactly mm. something with amazing arch support and like reinforcements where you want it. Something where you feel like you're walking on a cloud and you're like, well, 
it's a sad day for the rest of my socks because they're getting the boot, no pun. Yeah. Because now I, I have new socks that I like better because I didn't know socks could be this good. I thought about it, yeah, and then I thought, nah. <laughs> Did you know that socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters? Bombas socks were created to change that. For every pair you buy, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. They're soft. They're not just pretty soft. They're like made with the softest cotton in the world. Soft. They've got extra cushioning. They're they're truly great. Uh, Look, every- I have a pair. Do you love them? Yeah, they're great. I need more socks. Hello. The oh. holidays are coming up. Yeah. How do you get these socks, though? I would imagine they're a million dollars and you have to travel to a cave in the middle of the ocean. No, Scott. I'm what? glad you brought that up because I want to dispel this notion that they you have to go to a cave in the ocean and that they're a million dollars. How did the rumor get started? I don't know. But other people who want to... I don't know. People who want to hoard socks, go to mm. this, this is how you do it. Go to bombas.com, that's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash best friend, and get 20% off any purchase during their big holiday sale, November 18th through December 5th. That's bombas.com slash best friend for 20% off. Bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash best friend. Okay, I have a question for you. Yeah, Scott why Oberman. aren't Bombas advertising on my show? <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, I think well, maybe, maybe they used to. Maybe you have a question for you for <laughs> for them. No, this is a I have a question for you. Okay. Uh you talked about trusting the audience and mm-hmm. testing the movie. Um but I know that at one point your Twitter bio and I don't know if it still is your Twitter bio. I don't believe it is. No. Okay, but you know what I'm going to say then. Yes. It was something like tell me what it said. I think it said I don't care what you thought about this week's episode yes now i am someone who uh i could never as as your new best friend i could never get away with putting that in my bio however i did feel it on a level on a gut level of like oh yes sometimes i do feel that way i totally get that feeling um and i have i am forever wondering how much stock do i put into this person's opinion this person you know what i mean like i don't know how versus my own sort of here's what i feel i should do uh, can you can you explain having that attitude when it comes to podcasting, but then letting the audience dictate something about your movie? I okay. When I test the movie, or or we would test the Between Two Friends episodes when we made them and like put them up at the UCB or or the Bolton special, we put it up at UCB. I care about what people think by like listening to their laughs, and I'll cut it to their laughs, and mm-hmm. I'll I don't necessarily really care about the talk back at the end. Um, it's sort of the law of diminishing returns. Talk is that um, that's a thing at these screenings. Yeah, you usually back. do about a. They whittle it down to twenty people usually, and then they they have a moderator come up and and ask questions mm-hmm. and ask questions that you want to know, ask questions that the studio wants to know, and it usually after the first three minutes is pointless because the first three minutes people say what they want to say, and then they get bullied into saying what other the loudest voice wants them to say so like some people were like you know said that one part that i really liked they really liked and then someone was like well i hated it and then the you see the person like shrink and then (laughs) and then go yeah i mean it's i mean it's not that great but it right so so in that in that sense i don't really care what people have to say but uh as far as the podcast goes uh it i it got to a point for a while where I don't know why people think that I would be interested in in the fact that they do not like certain guests. Um, it's it's very rude. I think they would tag those guests, yeah, um, and tell them that they they were the worst on it. And um, 
So, and that would that would happen week after week. And my point about podcasting is it's a, it's a very ephemeral art form if you're doing it the way that I think you and I do it, which is we put it out weekly. Do you your yes. weekly as well? Twice a week. Twice a week. They're not all meant to be good. I mean, you try, <laughs> right. you know, you do your best, but they're meant to be like, what if you judged the news on these standards like, and like <laughs> contacted, you know, KTLA and were like, hey, this today's broadcast right. was not that great. I didn't you like know, that one thing about the weather, it's a cumulative thing. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's one thing for people to be like, well, I feel like this whole year has not been that great or something. But when people write to you and go like, last week was amazing. This week fucking sucked. Why would you have those people on? I don't care. Uh, I think it's very rude to guests. I, I hate it when people do it because I don't want to be, I don't want to have the type of podcast where people go like, I had a good time. And then I got home and the episode came out and people were saying I sucked on it and then tell all their friends that. No, I just want people to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And for people who listen to it to be like, eh, that one wasn't for me. If if you're a, a student of comedy, sure, go ahead and analyze it in your brain or with your friends and be like, well, I I like it better when a person improvises this way or I like it. I don't, I don't think the show works when Scott does this. That's fine, you know. I just don't need to hear it every week because I think every week is going to be someone's most favorite episode and someone's least favorite episode. And uh, I don't need to hear from that person. It's got to be a different person every week. But imagine if every single time I put out an episode, uh, I was greeted with, this one sucks, like every, 52 weeks out of the year. It, 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 a lot of podcasting and momentum in podcasting is – you feel like people enjoy it, and so you're happy to do it. And that's why I think it's gone 10 years is, like, people like it, and it's fun for me to put it out. And I get excited when we do a really funny episode and go, oh, wow, people are going to really enjoy this one. So if every single week someone were to be, like, critiquing me to death, I just would would get depressed about putting out the show. So that's why I put that on there is just – because it got into a rut where people were just thinking that Twitter is has been built so we can tell our favorite podcasters and TV show executives, or not executives, but showrunners, mm-hmm. like what we think about what they did this week. And I think that's uh, pointless. Have you ever been, like, has there ever been some, and I'm not going to ask this specific person, but mm-hmm. has there ever been a situation where, oh, wow, people really don't like this particular guest, this particular character, and it's affected how you've handled it? I, um, I've, I've done the opposite a lot of times because I truly think with Comedy Bang Bang, my taste is the most important thing. Um, and so early on in the show, especially with women, uh, anytime I would put a woman improviser on, people would say their voice is annoying. Um, they're so bad. Just don't have them on the show anymore. And meanwhile, it's someone that I've seen on stage. I know how brilliant they are. So I would go, well, fuck you. I'm putting them on more (laughs) and, and I'm going to educate you and if i can't educate you then you're going to turn off the show and find another show Mm -hmm. you know and so almost every person i put on people and they don't send it to me anymore which is good but i can keep track of of reaction if i want to Mm -hmm. you know what i mean uh and i know what episodes i don't like personally and it's always interesting to me to be like oh wow 
that one clicked with people, even though I didn't really have a good time while doing it or vice versa. But, but people have stopped sending it to me, but every single episode I'll have new people on and people will go like, Oh, it's not really working for me. And meanwhile, I had a ball with them and I think what they did is really funny. So I don't care as if, if it makes me laugh, I'll continue to put it on. What would be a circumstance that would create a podcast that you personally, it didn't click for you? Uh, one, uh, comedy bang bang episode. Yeah. Uh, some, I, I will say the ones that are harder for me to do. Okay. If you've never heard the show, it's me talking to one or two celebrities playing themselves as themselves and then one, two, three comedians playing fake people, right? So the ones that are more difficult for me are when the fake characters go off the rails too early, like they come in crazy from the jump mm. because I think it's an hour and a half show. We have a lot to to, to talk about and to dissect about their characters. So if they come in and immediately are super nuts and have no or not tethered to reality at all it's very difficult for me to navigate that mm -hmm. because at a certain point you kind of have to say like well there's nothing else to talk to you about right, you're like crazy what's your role there you're nuts yeah. you're nuts you're obviously nuts <laughs> <laughs> you know so i like the slow build a little bit or the or the the best shows for me are the ones where someone comes in with an idea of a character will hines was just on the show a couple of weeks ago and he had an idea for a character where he was a doctor. I don't even remember because we never even got to it, but he, um, he, what was the word he meant to say? He was talking about his first day at Johns Hopkins. <laughs> and I think he said initiation instead of, Oh, uh, uh, what's the word when you, when like orientation, orientation. he said initiation instead. <laughs> and we were like, you went through an initiation on your first day, which then led him into saying yes, because he's such a brilliant improviser. Uh -huh. And it led him into telling and spinning a, a, a yarn about a really long thing about going underground and <laughs> being initiated into Johns Hopkins by a man wearing like a deer head and antlers <laughs> and everyone had to strip naked and fight each other to the death. And it was so fun um, to throw out what he had planned on saying. And those are the fun ones to me is, is like living in the moment and, and just taking whatever happens and then turning it into whatever it ends up being. Those are, those are the most fun for me. Um, you just said that you feel like your taste is the most important. Have you always uh, had confidence in your personal taste? I, <laughs> you know, when I was on Mr. Show, I think Bill Odenkirk in the Mr. Show book says, had something to say about, he was like, Scott has a lot of opinions and is not shy about vocalizing <laughs> them. So um, I, I think I, in terms of booking a show, I have a lot of theories about what makes a good show. And I, it's something like booking is the worst part of doing a podcast. Right. Mm. Um, and I have to book four people a week or something. And I wish I was Mark Marin or someone like that, where I was just doing an interview show and someone else was booking it and I could do three episodes a week. Mm -hmm. And, um, but instead I have to do a pretty labor intensive show. Oh, you still um, book it. I still book it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Earwolf has like a person who will send me ideas sometimes, but as far as the improvisers go, it's just all me, mm. you know, booking it. So, um, but I have a lot of theories about it and I think that yes, primarily you should do 
what you what your taste is and what you think is good at the same time i also there's like a show business uh, mm-hmm. part of it involved where you have to keep the audience interested and so um i would it actually goes back to when i was booking the live show at first m bar and and ucb um I was I was reacting to other shows like the Largo show or or Uncabaret that booked the same comedians all the time, right? And they had they cycled they had maybe twenty, right? And they would book six and and so every time you went to see those shows it would be the same or maybe they would have forty. But comedians would do it once a month, usually. Mm-hmm. And you would see the same people and they were all the same age and I would just I I remember I would sit outside the show sometimes and watch people coming out and they would all be the same ages ages as those comedians and then years would go by and everyone would age <laughs> and meanwhile so what I was trying to do is I was trying to book new people and I was trying to book established people and have it be a mixture because the new people are what's going to get the young people interested in the show because the comedy is a very in my opinion it's a thing enjoyed when you're young. Um, there are and there are wonderful fans who stay comedy fans their entire lives and, and feel a connection to it, and it's great. But it's a lot like music in a way, I think, for most people, which is you're very passionate about comedy when you're young, and then you get a family and you're like, comma what? <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like you know. Then there's just so much to do. So with the UCB show, I found like. You know, you just got to keep investing in new talent and keep finding people that excite you as, uh, that are new and and plant those seeds and educate the audience and then they become the favorites. What's what's cool about Comedy Bang Bang is it's been through so many cycles of people um and people cycle in and cycle out um but some of the favorites right now are people who have who just started being on the show a year and a half ago, maybe, and they're the t- they're people's top favorites right now, and that's what keeps the show going. I think is I think if I still was trying to do it with the same people that I did it with in the first year, and I still do with a lot of them, mm-hmm. Paul F. Tompkins, Andy Daly. Um, but if I prim- if I only did it with them, the show would have ended two years into it probably mm-hmm. because everyone gets busy and and we would run out of things to say. And I think the the reason Comedy Bang Bang is has been going eleven years at this point almost is because I'm I'm very passionate about finding new people and um making sure that the show is full of them. I wanna f- I want to know how you find new people, but first we need to talk about uh, the Embark Dog DNA Breed and Health Kit. Well, Have I you... find them through that. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. You need to do this with Georgia and Molly if you have not already. I don't even know uh, exactly uh, It's a dog it DNA kit. So you, okay. s- you swab their cheek. Swab. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then you send it in, and uh, it looks at their DNA and can identify over 250 breeds and 170 genetic health conditions to help you best care for your pup. So oh, we it does this. health conditions. Yes, wow. it does. Yeah. It's like the the most uh, 
info-packed and intensive of all the ones on the market. Wow. Um, it's in conjunction, in partnership with Cornell University. So there's a research aspect of it. Embark is the only research-grade dog DNA test kit on the market. It analyzes 100 times more genetic information than any other dog DNA test kit on the market. It means their scientists look at 200,000 genetic markers and can make scientific discoveries that can help all dogs have longer, healthier lives. Um, over 50% of dogs are either at risk or a carrier of a genetic disease and their panel of tests screens for over 170 genetic diseases, which can be present in many breeds, whether mixed breed or pure breed. We have a pure breed dog. Um, So it wasn't a huge surprise to find out that she all, all everything in her past was uh, was Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and then a wolf hmm. at some point. Um, oh. It also analyzes it. She's point six wolfiness, which is kind of amazing right. to know. Um, but that's not like how much wolf is in her. It has to do with it. There's some very uh, elegant explanation for like what wolfiness is actually a measure of. Um, but anyway, it was nice to find out that she's not uh, at risk for any of these diseases that I was oh, worried about. Yeah. And then also it's the only canine relative finder on the market. So, so they'll find, oh, interesting. Yeah. And it's, but that's if they've done it as yes, well, right? And yeah. if they opt in to be contacted right. or not. So it's, yeah. uh, it's kind of great. Do dogs you, have phones? <laughs> oh Yeah. No, they have oh, phones okay. now. Okay. Yeah. I gotta get uh, Molly a phone. You can make bios for them. Yeah. And so a lot of her relatives, it'll be like, you know, the precious pup from Poland. And I just wrote fat pee-pee for her. <laughs> but I feel bad. I feel like maybe I should change it. I don't know. They don't, she, she's slimming down. She, I know. She's like oh, no good. longer really fat. She's been on a diet. Our dogs are on, tipping the scales at, right at the top of where they should be. But I, I do know that Embark has an exclusive holiday offer. You can't get anywhere else. Go to EmbarkVet.com now uh, and use promo code best friend to save 15 percent off your dog dna test kit visit embarkvet.com e-m-b-a-r-k vet v-e-t.com and use promo code best friend to save so yeah how do you find this the young fresh talent uh i i i wish i had a little more time to go to more shows um for a while it was that um a lot of times it's recommendation now um, from people I trust, and uh, and then it's trial and error. You know, it's like there are super funny people that um, you know are maybe funny in a different way or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just yeah, it's it's a little trial and error. And then do people do they come up with their own characters and run it yeah. by you? No, they don't run it by me. Oh, so we when we start the show, I basically ask them, "What is your name?" And how would I introduce you? Uh, and usually, I don't want to spoil their joke, so mm-hmm. I'll I'll ask them to be not very specific about that. So if that's why we have a lot of quote entrepreneurs <laughs> on the show, because uh, I don't want to give away what they're selling, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but yeah, we I don't I I prefer not to know any. Sometimes, like if it's the first time they've done the show, they'll start to go in. On, so the what I'm doing basically, I'll say like I, I don't need to know. I don't. Right. I don't want to know. We'll we'll figure it out when we get there. Mm. Um, which is a f- more fun way to do the show, I think. For me, it occasionally leads me to not knowing what they're talking about. Uh, I will say, I have been to Philadelphia. I just came back um, on a tour on tour stops. I've been to Philadelphia a, a, a few days ago, and then three years ago, and both times Paul F. Tompkins 
has been telling stories about very specific Philadelphia sports mascots, and I do not know who they are, <laughs> and the audience boos me. <laughs> so uh, he was talking about Gritty, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the new big I don't know no idea. about sports, and even I know who Gritty is. And I was like, yeah, uh, g- g- really a great mascot for the baseball team? Boo! <laughs> Football team? Boo! <laughs> What else could it possibly be? It, it turns out it's hockey. Mm. Who cares? <laughs> Do you like, you must like touring. That was a leading question. Do you like touring? Uh, I, I like doing the shows. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty hard touring um, in terms of just, especially this last time has, has been not the best uh time for me personally to be going like you book it so far in advance and then um and then just like you can't move it (laughs) you know so it's like one of these things where it's like okay i have to go even though shit's going on in my life so Mm -hmm. it's 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 hard that's why we did it this way this time of where we're just away for like four or five days at a time and then we come back instead of doing the full month month and a half gone at a time but yeah it's i mean people 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 are paying us not to do the show because that's really fun but they're paying us to travel i feel like Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be away from right from everyone what's going on in your life oh just you know just uh (laughs) no um i I don't know kleenex right here do you really have kleenex for this type of thing uh actually yeah Mm. Mm-hmm. Not that not that people always cry, but someone yeah. did cry, and I thought I may as well have some. One, one person cry, who cried. <sighs> Gosh, I can't. Don't you don't have to. Do out you remember? Him. Jackie cried recently. Yeah, Jackie but that who? wasn't Jackie Johnson. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, but that wasn't the. That what was she talking about? Why were the Kleenex? She was talking about. She's getting divorced. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I wondered. Uh, how personal people get. <laughs> I think it's quite personal. Yeah, that's not, the Kleenex came out before that, though. I can't, I honestly can't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So feel free to cry. Okay. Uh, you know, just uh, uh, generally, uh, things. Uh, the the movie and the tour just kind of all were happening at the same time as things going on with me and cool uh not uh, jackie johnson style things <laughs> but you know i i think sh- you and her talk a little bit about uh haven't you about like sort of our quest of ivf it's, it's she talks about it in her movie a little bit so um i she had cool up has been on my show a few times and she's mm-hmm. talked to me about i know that there was a miss miscarriage or miscarriage i know you guys are trying to get pregnant and then i just saw origin story which i actually want to talk about um so good and i saw that you guys were doing um ivf and i i did ivf for my kids yes she mentioned that i don't know um i don't know anything more than that right 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 so it's been it's been a long process even Mm -hmm. you know the movie the movie was filmed a few years ago and since then, it's even been a longer process. And so just, you know, it, it, it just... The process being trying to... Trying to... Yeah, yeah. And the, 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 you know, the tries and the failures and... So draining. So it's just, for this particular tour, it was just... It, it wasn't even... I, I was going to say it was comical in a sense, but it's not 
comical, but it just every single time I had to leave, <laughs> um, like a new emergency would happen, oh, like no. hours before I was supposed to go, and I'd be there sitting there saying like, "Am I should I cancel? Should I not cancel?" Cool up really wanted me to go, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's very hard when you're dealing with that kind of stuff to then. I can compartmentalize with stuff like that. So it's, it's, uh, the doing the show is fine for me. It's just like the traveling is, is very mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. So how's the IVF going? It's, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a challenge. It's just very challenging. And I think since the movie, the movie, uh, which we, we, when we were interviewed in the movie, uh, you know, we were, we were just starting it and it's been a few years since then. And it's just, yeah, it's been, it's been challenging and it's just, uh, yeah, it just is a a daily struggle. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's emotionally draining. It's financially draining. It's hard to figure out how to spend all your time and money (laughs) doing it. And yet like, keep yourself in a good headspace where you're like, it might work. It might not work. I'll be okay. Either way. It's very hard to maintain. That's the hardest headspace to be in is I think both of us have, have been in the headspace for the last year, year and a half of, Oh, it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like this is, this is going to fail. (laughs) So it's just very, it's, it's, you know, you get put through the ringer on it, like all the time where you're kind of like, Oh, we're doing it again. Okay, well, it's not going to work out, but okay, let's let's go for it. And then you know you start, and then it goes along, and it doesn't work out. So it's just very. It's tough. Yeah, it's, it's just really a very. Uh, so it's hard. It's hard because a lot of the tour was scheduled at a time where it was like uh, supposedly going to be over, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then it it happened to be right in the middle of it. So. It's also, yes, that's another thing people might not know about IVF is that it's very, very hard to plan anything around anything. Like the fertility clinics are basically open 365 days a year because they have to be because it's it's all timed to different things happening in your cycle. So when you start a round of IVF, you don't know when your retrieval is going to be and they're looking at you like every day or every other day. And then they'll be like, okay, on Friday, we think it's going to be Monday. We'll call you based on these results. Yeah. It's all, yeah, it's very. And hard then you to have plan. to go in if you do get pregnant. You then have to go in for like weekly checkups, so you have to be available for that. Mm-hmm. And then, but then also like just things come up all the time where it's like, oh no, we have to go in immediately. Right. You know? So, so just being away for even five days is very difficult because, yeah. um, and and like I said, it, with with our situation. Every single time I was just about to leave, something would come up. So it's it's just, you know, it's hard to do. So that's the only thing that was making me sort of like, oh, God, do I want to keep doing I really do enjoy the touring, but it's it's just while this is going on, it's just very much like, can I? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. So that's where I'm at. We had just finished our last show. So I'm trying to see if we, sh- you know, we all want to. We all want to schedule we talk about like uh, Lauren and Paul and I talk about cities we want to go to and we're like, Oh yeah, we should do this one. We should do this one, you know? And Oh, maybe we'll do that in March or something. But uh, I just don't know. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just hard. Um, you're very open on, on this podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, do you, but, but on comedy bang, bang, 
Um, no one listens to it for that. <laughs> <laughs> and no one wants to hear my termite stories. <laughs> how? <laughs> no one wants to hear my termite stories. Right. That's just that's this the the that's just what I I make them do. Um, <laughs> how open are you on freedom? I'm more open on freedom. I went into freedom intentionally wanting to be more open and be more myself and talk about real things. Um, it sort of goes for me, comedy bang bang. I'm 95% in character REM or U2 I do the first part of the show in character and then slip in and out of it and tell real stories about myself because a lot of that show is Adam Scott and I talking about our our lives you know so like I have to be real about it otherwise it so it's kind of whiplash in a way like we spend 45 minutes dicking around <laughs> being weirdos and then we get real <laughs> with mm-hmm. each other sometimes but with freedom um, I intentionally went into it in the first episode I know thinking, you know what, I'm going to drop it. And we do bits a lot on the show, but I'm not just going to make it all bits where I, I, I wanted to actually like, you know, talk about real stuff on it. So, mm-hmm. so I, I definitely try to do that. You say that you're 95, I forget what percentage Five, character, yeah. 95% mm-hmm. character comedy bang bang. Who is that character? Uh, uh, I think, you know, like it, it, it is, it's, it's an exaggeration of all the worst parts of myself. I would say <laughs> like someone who doesn't care about what the other guest is saying, someone who's kind of like a little arrogant and, um, a know-it-all in a way. But I, I mean, I have a lot of responsibilities when I'm doing the show. So in order to steer it and to steer it into interesting places. So that's mainly what I'm thinking about, but I also, I'm not interested in having a real conversation with B. I I will occasionally like sometimes I'll have a guest on. Usually it's usually it's someone in comedy because then we'll I'll start talking about like real things a little bit with them and I'll kind of be in my head going like no one cares about this no one cares about this um but um I'll usually save that for being interviewed um because on comedy bang bang I think people just want to hear bits mm-hmm. and to go back to between two ferns mm-hmm. um. How much of the questions to celebrities are you writing and how much is Zach writing? Zach's not usually writing much more than one or two. So those are you? Um, no, not all of them, no. We we had some great writers for the movie. Uh, some pe- Neil Campbell and Tim Kalpakis, they wrote... Um, Tim Kalpakis is one of the funniest dudes yeah. in the world. I love that dude. Uh, American Comedy Treasure. Um and Mike Gibbons, he was a producer oh, on the yeah. movie. He he wrote every for every person. Uh, Neil and Tim were nice enough, I think, to write for every single person and to do it around their other jobs, which was cool. Um, Did uh, Paul Rust write on Paul Rust, actually, he never wrote questions, but okay. he... Uh, he was... Actually, he was, he, he was invaluable to me because he... Um, I, it was an improvised movie, but I needed... I had a framework, but I also, the whole middle part of the movie was, they go to a hotel and something happens, you know? <laughs> and so um, I just, I sent it to a few friends and I was like, do you do you mind punching any of this up or giving me any ideas for stuff? Expecting just, a f- usually when you send something to friends, just people like write a few notes or something like that. And Paul spent, I, I said, please take no more than... <laughs> like three hours or four hours to do this. I think Paul spent three days doing it and 
wrote so much stuff for it and um stuff that ended up in the movie one of the one of the funniest lines in the movie is um will ferrell saying um that clicks on his website equals green which equals more white and he taps (laughs) his nose which equals more purple that's me putting on a big purple feathered boa (laughs) and that's paul i mean that was that's makes me laugh so hard um but yeah, he 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 did stuff like that, and then and then we had a couple of people who did like a day or or two, depending on it. Like if suddenly someone would come up, um, very suddenly, you know, we would we would go. Out. Matt Oswalt uh, did did a day. I'm trying to remember if anyone else did a day. I'm sure someone else did, and I'm I'm forgetting, and that's bad. But um, yeah, it, it usually is. We'll get like twelve pages of jokes. Um, I'll write two, you know, so it's like the three or four of us or something like that. Um, and then we'll, the morning of the interview, we'll meet in Zach's trailer. It would be me and Corinne Eckard, who's a producer on the film and Mike Gibbons and Zach and I, and Zach would get the 12 pages and then circle ones that he likes. And I'll be sitting there knowing the ones that are, that I think are really great. And if he doesn't, circle them i'm like hey hey hey! you, you got to say this one and usually if he hasn't circled it is because he doesn't understand it um <laughs> because he doesn't know anything about the person he's talking to usually <laughs> because he doesn't know anything about pop culture so i'll i'll explain it i'll say oh no they did this thing and that's why that's funny he's actually zach is very good at recognizing a craft of a joke without knowing what the per- what the joke is about but he can tell the craft is really good and so he'll usually circle it and go explain this to me <laughs> is there one that was your favorite or among your favorites? Um, <laughs> there's one. Oh, what's the one that we said we were going to fire Tim for? It was, uh, oh, it's in the Tessa Thompson extended interview, which we put together, but we're, we ended up not putting out, which was, um, <laughs> and we, and we, and Zach saw Tim at the, at the rap party and was like, this is the worst joke anyone has ever said. <laughs> but we, we said it and put it in there, which was, he goes, you were on that show hoagies. She goes, what? He goes, you were on the show Hoagies. She goes, no. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, Heroes. I watched it in Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so bad. But but we loved it. Um, I don't know. I I love the Ferns jokes, and I like writing them because it's a very unique challenge of how do you – it's like writing a a Comedy Central roast. How do you write – how do you tweak – a sentence in order to make it surprising, you know, is so, it's such a weird challenge. How it's, it's like, how do you write a joke? But it, it's so, it's so interesting to try to do it. You know, I mean, I like some of the, some of the favorite jokes I've written for Ferns have been like for Natalie Portman. Um, you shaved your head for V for Vendetta. Did you also shave your V for vagina? <laughs> um, and I don't. And and I don't. I don't even know how that was one that just like popped him. I was like, "What is she in? V for Vendetta. V also is the first letter of vagina, and it just like comes to you like that, mm-hmm. you know." But there, there are such. There are some really funny jokes in the movie, and I would I would say uh, a lot of the credit is is due to the the other people. I'm trying to even remember ones I wrote in the movie, and uh, couldn't even tell you. Do the interviewees ever get upset? It seems like they find it hilarious in the outtakes. 
Yeah, the outtakes. Yeah. No, the movie was a good experience because everyone, at least on the day, really liked it. <laughs> um, the The show over the years is has been up and down a little bit more. You know what it usually is? Is you occasionally Funny or Die would make these deals of like, hey, if you do it, we'll send you the cut before it comes out and you can give us your mm. notes, which I hate. Yeah. Um, because usually everyone's opinion when they get the cut is like, this is not funny or I'm not funny in it. And so then they have a lot of thoughts about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's annoying, but um, yeah, it's, there's, there's only really been one person that Zach thought was mad and I didn't think was mad. And that was Sean Penn. Um, and Zach came over and he's talked about this in an interview. So, um, but Zach came over and said, we're cutting Mm. like this is, that's it. And I was like, what? This is so great. And Sean Penn was threatening to kill him, but I thought it was like him acting and Zach was convinced it was real, (laughs) but But it wasn't real. I don't know. I'm not really sure, but then they went out for a drink and everything was cool. So I, I, I really don't know. And what are your thoughts on celeb culture? Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's interesting tracking it, um, because it has changed since we started doing ferns. What's interesting about doing ferns is it used to be that celebrities were put on these pedestals and treated like royalty whenever, whenever they would go on a talk show and, um, be so glamorous and get the same stupid questions and talk shows, generally uh never led an unvetted question through um and the few talk shows i've done i've occasionally had to do up to three pre-interviews for it you know and it's just so annoying um but what's interesting is is about so so we started doing ferns which is like essentially getting celebrities to be in on a joke in a way because they we people are we we never tell them what we're going to say but they know what the deal is coming in, you know, and, and when you see the outtakes, people are enjoying themselves. But essentially it is what now celebrity interviews have come to, which is like when you do a talk show now, you have to do karaoke and you have to do beer pong and you have to do like all of these things, which now we're trying to say celebrities are just like us somehow. Oh, look, isn't that fun to see Charlize Theron, you know, like trying to catch a, a, a you know, a, 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 a ball covered in shaving cream and a cup on her head, you know? Oh, isn't that so, so uh, humanizing of her? She's a down to earth. Yeah. And which is all bullshit too, because like all of that stuff has been vetted to death as well and, and brought to them by publicists and said like, do you want to do this? Well, it's this thing that they do on the show and they gets, it gets a lot of hits, you know, when they put this up on, you know, and then it's like, Oh, I don't really want to, but okay. I remember I was talking to some dude I was on a talk show with. I don't remember who it was, but he was saying like, you used to be able to come on these things and just like talk, (laughs) you know? So, Ferns has almost become come part of that in a way of like oh. enlisting a celebrity to do this thing that is that not natural to show that they have a sense of humor. So it's kind of like, I don't know, we're part of the problem in a way. And you become part of the apparatus that you were railing against. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you, really fe- do, do you really feel that that has happened? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I think that's why I was so against 
putting the bloopers in at the end because I didn't really want anyone to see a peek behind the curtain. It's honestly why we we never did interviews about Ferns for the first five years or six years or something. Um, Rolling Stone wanted to do like a cover story about it wow. or something like that, and we turned it down um, because we just didn't want any... We wanted there to be mystery about it, and this... I sort of regret this, but this is why like anyone who wrote jokes for us, we we just put in special thanks. I mean, it was on the internet and and funnier die didn't even have credits for a while, you know, but we were like, no, we don't want anyone to think these are written. So we'll just put them in special thanks and, you know, pay them, <laughs> you know, uh, but what did you want people to think it was? Cause obviously Zach like is a, recognizable. A lot of it, it, it is improvised, but Zach, especially after, I think the fifth or sixth one, we realized we needed to come in with jokes because we were just improvising. Them. I see. Um, and Zach occasionally would have like an idea of a joke or I would have an idea of a joke and go, hey, say this, like the V for, for, mm-hmm. for vagina one, but we didn't have outside writers. Um, but after after we started doing more of them, we're like, we need to get more prepared. Um, so Did you feel like you were missing humor opportunities? Is that why? Well, it just way? is like it's too hard on Zach, you know? It's like the onus... It's just, he's so funny and, but, uh, I can't imagine doing the movie without ever writing mm. jokes for him for these interviews because it's just like him it, already. He's exhausted from improving every scene, right. <laughs> you know, having to, having to improv jokes off the top of his head would be really tough, but, but yeah, um, we just didn't want anyone to think that they weren't a real conversation or that they were edited or mm-hmm. anything like that. I remember the second one, the Jimmy Kimmel one, there's continuity problems because Zach was riffing this thing with beer and he took off his shoes. And I, uh, I didn't direct that one, but, um, I also wasn't prepared for it. So I didn't really know. Now I know exactly what I would do, but at the time it was like, Oh, uh, okay. And then you get an editing and it's like, well, the order is all fucked up, you know, and his shoes are on and off and on and off. And people were like, what? This isn't just like a a live-to-tape thing. People, when they come do the interview, they expect it to be five minutes, mm. I think, sometimes. And they're surprised when it's like, no, we need you here for an hour or two hours. Bruce Willis, six hours, Jeez. you know. Um, six hours? Yeah, because we set Zach on fire. Oh, so, right, right, right. <laughs> um, so he, he's the person who's done, did the longest one and was very gracious and... Uh, was very cool to just be there six hours and was like saying to the stunt people like, oh, I've never done this particular stunt before. This is so cool. <laughs> you know, like, like I'm sitting there going, aren't you tired of being here? You know, and he's just very like actively like, wow, this is a cool experience. Um, but yeah, did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Thank God. Uh, we have some, speaking of questions, we have some questions that uh, listeners sent in on Patreon and Twitter. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. For that, we have a little song. When we ask, they send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These questions from our fans Mike C. says, His REM podcast has been one of my favorite things of the past few years, and it reignited my love of the band. They've now had Michael Stipe, Peter Buck, and Mike Mills on the show. Do you think that one day there's a small chance Bill Barry would do the podcast? Also, what REM albums have been enjoyable for him to return to now that they're finished going through each album? I think Bill Barry, I think we'll have him on the show. We met him. 
when up in Portland, when he played with Peter and Mike um, for a benefit for Scott McCoy, and that was that was the first time he played with them in a long time. So I I feel like we we may have to go to Atlanta to do it, but um, I think he'll do the show. Um, as far as what I mean, it is weird to say like, oh yes, this member of REM will do my stupid show. <laughs> you know, it's like now the expectation is they'll do it. You know, um, which is kind of a bummer because getting U two on the original U two show was like such a fucking mind blower for not not only for us but mm. for the audience when we put out that and we were sitting on it for like a couple of weeks and uh-huh. then when we finally put it out and people are like, what? Because <laughs> we jokingly were talking about every episode like you two come on when you do the show like assuming they would do the show (laughs) in an asshole way so now the expectation is just like of course we're going to get Mm. bill barry on the show you know but um as far as albums i really um those those first four are just so good i mean fables is so good um but so but but my my point of view when i was doing the rem show was a little different from the u2 show i had never heard one of their records from out of time on i'd never heard never listened to them all the way through unlike adam where it's his favorite band mm-hmm. so i actually have grown a, a big appreciation for the records that i've never heard like reveal or um even monster we just put out an episode about the the reissue of monster and the new remix has made me really appreciate it so yeah how did you get you to just Honestly, by putting out a show that people liked, that was mm-hmm. it. We never, we were not chasing it. And we just put out this show and happened to to luck into having good chemistry with each other and, and people really liking it. And somehow the their crew listened to it and their their publicists listened to it and just thought it was and and it came around at a time i think when their publicist was trying to get them to do things that they normally didn't do Mm. um trying to break down that image a little like what we're talking about about you know about them being stars who Mm -hmm. don't do that kind of thing right and having them do you know i feel like it's probably very emasculating for them but they also have seemed to have so much fun doing it i mean larry was like so stoked to see us last time when when we were at Madison Square Garden and it made us t-shirts and was like <laughs> was like the publicist was saying hey Larry wants to say something to you as he goes on stage like very obliquely and we we'd found out he'd been planning this surprise for months and it made us these t-shirts and wanted <laughs> us to stand in a specific spot as he's walking on stage mm-hmm. and give it you know it's just like crazy um but yeah it just came about it, it was it was very surprising to us. Uh, this might be a pedestrian question, but what do you address the edge as? <laughs> well, the problem on the show is we've we were playing. <laughs> so in the first episode, where the intro I came up with is it's the comprehensive and what is it? Encyclopedic it's encyclopedic compendium of all things you two. And we're pretending we're experts, but mm-hmm. then we immediately get all their names wrong. <laughs> so we we called. Bono Bonobos. And we called <laughs> the Edge. We called him Thedge. Um, and Larry Mullen Senior son instead of Larry Mullen Junior. Um, and then Adam Clay two thousand pounds instead of Adam Clay ton. Um, and so we we did that so much, and we were like, 
oh, they don't know that we call them this. And then immediately, like, Bono gives us a picture of a a penis that he's drawn, and he signed it Bonobos. (laughs) And we're just (laughs) like, okay, well, they're on board. Uh, Whitney C. says, what's his earliest memory? Is Whitney C. related to Mike C.? I think think they're... Bonin, at least. (laughs) That's right. What's my earliest memory? Yeah. I, I, okay, so I've had this memory, and my parents swear that I could not have it. And I may be conflating it with, okay, but I'll tell you what it is. But I remember the for sale sign at our old house, and I remember it, like, being there and and us talking about how it was like a tree or something like that, and then, and then it was gone, and I remember playing in the hole and all that kind of stuff. And... My parents are saying, like, you can't possibly have that memory. That was way too early. It could be that I have that memory of when we sold the house <laughs> when I was seven. So I, I don't know. But that that seems to me like me being in that. I don't remember anything before that house. Um, but the house that I spent um, the first, you know, six years of my life in, um, I, I, I have a lot of memories about that. Mm. Uh, Jennifer has a question. Jennifer C.? No, just just, mm. just Jennifer. Favorite karaoke song to sing, favorite, favorite karaoke song to observe. Now, I just recently shared my feelings about karaoke, which is mm. they're not positive. So the fact okay. that she's submitting this, I don't know how I feel about that. I actually used to compete in karaoke competitions for money um, when I was like wow. 21, 20, 21, 19, 20, 21, 22, around there. I would mm. like find... Uh, there were a lot in Orange County at the time. I, I, I kind of think the golden age of karaoke was like the early 90s um, in Orange County because every bar was doing mm-hmm. it, you know. So I would go find places that were give, like giving away $100 or something like that. Um, and um, I had a song. My song, I, I, the one that was always the winner was the theme from The Godfather mm. because it – I would do it super dramatically because it has words. I don't know if you know that, but That's, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I didn't know it has speak softly, love. So I would do it really dramatically, but then in the bridge, which has my favorite thing to do is in a bridge that has no lyrics is to make up lyrics. <laughs> so in the bridge, I sang uh, about the plot of the Godfather, <laughs> <laughs> and and um, and I was. Call, and I was like, uh, it was like, uh, I remember one of the lyrics was, you've killed the Tataglias and the five families, and now you've come for me, my godfather of love. <laughs> um, and then, but then it had a really high end, you know, where it was mm. like uh, a long extended, very high note, you know, at the end. So it always like blew people away. Um, I would I would alternate between that and um, Sinatra's "That's Life" a lot because mm-hmm. "That's Life" also I would end really high. Um, and I found what was really interesting to me is is I started to figure out uh, tactics when you would do these karaoke competitions, which is a lot of people would come in and do a warm up song mm-hmm. in front of the crowd, and then the cr- and people would be like, "Whoa, this person's amazing!" And then they'd do their competition song, and they'd be like, "Yeah." He already sang. Yeah, he's fine. And so I would never sing before I got up on stage during the competition. Mm-hmm. I would just sit there and, and watch and then You're not gonna give it away. Do one song and then be out and then um yeah, so I would uh I would do that for money. So 
Yeah. Well, gambling and karaoke for money. Yeah, what a nerd. <laughs> no, enterprising. Not, not like those nerds at Cornell with all their dog DNA. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were like a a nerd that a nerd that fucks. Uh, uh, very occasionally. Okay. <laughs> Depending on the year. Yeah, that wasn't based on knowing you yeah. or your uh popularity it was based more on like i feel no, like my that's answer more f- was based on knowing me <laughs> knowing my popularity <laughs> this is true this is true um okay this one's um more a more serious question okay katie bureau says what is the number one lesson you take from either harris widow's life or death huh you know i kind of that's interesting harris was um Harris, I, w- I would say Harris was very secretive about what was going on in his life. And so I guess if there's a lesson is to reach out to people more. Um, we all were like, why? And, and he was very apologetic when we would find out, you know, like, oh, you just went to rehab, you know, and he'd go like, yeah, sorry, I did. it's not your fault. I didn't want to bother you, you know. Uh, so I think, I think it would be that it would be, you know, don't, don't keep all that stuff secret from people who are concerned about you. Mm -hmm. Are you good at that? Do you think? Well, I'm kind of a private person and I don't have a ton of people that I talk to, you know, a lot of people get together with their friends all the time and I'm not really like that. I talk to cool up a lot, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm also... I've been to therapy a few times, but it's not something that I like. I don't put in the work, as they say. So um, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I I also think that were I going through something like that, hopefully I would reach out to people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who's this from? This is from me. Oh, this okay. is from Allison Rosen. I, <laughs> Allison I, uh, R. Yeah, Allison R. Uh, Allison R. C. Mm-hmm. Oh, myself. okay. Yeah. Um, I've joined their marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Royal crown. Surprise. Uh, origin story. So good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for anyone who doesn't know, this is... And it, so when Kulop came on the show, she talked about raising the money to do origin story. And then um, she was in the process of working on it and had put it on hold a bit. I think the another yeah. time she came back. Um the movie is finished. It's on Amazon Prime. I encourage everyone. Go I, first, iTunes and everywhere, actually. Everywhere. Yeah, we just found out that it's kind of everywhere, but oh, wow. originally it was, I think, Amazon Prime. So go get the uh, Between Two Ferns movie. On and, Netflix. Yeah. On Netflix. And then watch Origin Story anywhere. Um, how was that? Like, what was your experience of all of that? You're in, you feature the in the story? movie. Yeah. Uh, it was... The whole thing was... In a way, I feel very disconnected from a big chunk of it because um, it was happening. Somehow it all got scheduled while I was working on the Comedy Bang Bang TV show. And there was just – and while we were selling our place. Mm -hmm. And so my – my recollection of of what was happening all the time was me basically living in our friend's house because we had sold our other place and we didn't have a new place yet. And so living in his spare bedroom, Kulop's gone and me getting up at five in the morning every day and then coming back at, you know, 10 at night and just going to sleep. 
and there was never for me there was never any question of being able to go uh to Laos with her mm-hmm. um which I feel bad about um but June uh Diane Raphael went with her um so in I feel like I should explain this in the yeah. so sh- the man that she thought was her father when she was 14 she found out he was not her biological father yeah. and then she kind of tabled that had a very has had uh, a very complicated relationship with her mom and in the movie uh, the the movie follows her reconnecting with her birth father and and the rest of, of her family yeah, it kind of takes trying her to understand takes her from Minnesota to Laos um back to California so during the primary primary part of the filming um I you know obviously it was something that cool up and I she she told me about it when I first got to know her 20 years ago. So um, it was something that, you know, I I was there a lot. And when, when the father finally reached out and all that kind of stuff. But the actual, like, Laos trip mm. and Minnesota trips, I was – there was never even a, a consideration that I could even go with her, which I felt really terrible about. Um, <clears throat> so when I watched the original cuts, so much of it was just new to me of, like – and. I found that when you're when you're talking to your partner about things, at least I'm like this. Um, I I need to get refreshed. I need to get my memory refreshed on stuff. You know what I mean? Stuff that we talked about very early in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll say, "You'll have to pardon me, but we talked about this so early. Can you take me through this again? <laughs> like what happened?" And I I am no longer embarrassed about doing that um, because you can go like ten years and 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 your partner will say like we'll mention something you go, what is that? And they'll go, I told you about it on our second date. Right. Um, so watching the movie, I, I know I had asked her like, how did the trip go? And she told me about it, but it, it becomes very real when you're actually watching the footage and, and seeing the movie and going, oh, okay. So now I've seen the movie so many times that it's, it feels very, um, it, it feels like I know the story really well. But then I think the other day I mentioned that, that cool up was a. I was like, you know how cool up is a toilet baby. Watch origin story, and then <laughs> someone was like, no, her mom is. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> um, so it's st- the brain is so weird. It, um, but um, yeah, it was it was tough. It, it actually, it, I felt really bad that I couldn't go with her. And then after the movie uh, locked, we then um, then cool up got a message about uh, another family situation that was happening in Laos. And this was like literally as I was about to film the Michael Bolton special in three days or something like that. And um, a lot of people, a lot of people when origin story came out were like a lot of our mutual friends were like, you didn't go to Laos with her and couldn't believe it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, you, you, I, I couldn't, you know, I'm, when we filmed Obama on Between Two Ferns, I literally told the White House, I can only do it on Monday, this particular day, because I was in production on my show, mm-hmm. you know. People don't believe that, but – and they said okay. But so, so when this family situation happened in Laos while I was, uh, I was about to f- film the Michael Bolton special, I just suddenly went like, eh, show business, who cares? I was like, do you want me to come with you? And she said yes. And wow. so I – Akiva Schaffer, who who co-directed it with me, was was very nice to take up the slack and direct on. It turned out to just be one day that I was gone, um, 
but you you feel like when you're in show business, you just can't do these things. It's mm-hmm. a lot like the tour, like what I was talking about on the right. tour. Can I cancel dates? I don't even know how. I've never canceled a date before. Mm-hmm. I've seen other people do it, but um, you think these things are insurmountable, but um, you can usually work out. You can work around them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You can usually work out any anything. Right. And that, you know... Technically, you should probably focus on your relationships more than you do show business is something that I'm trying to do a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you were able to go? Yes, I did go. Yes. Um, crazy. I've never been more tired. <laughs> right. Because it's life. 27 hours or something, right? It's like 20. So I think it was even more because we had, uh, what did we do? We flew. Oh, by the way, this is on, this is the 2016 election. By the way, we found out who won the election on the plane. Oh, my God. This is the morning of. We voted wow. and then we left for Laos. Wow. Um, so we voted, got on a plane. We found out that the Trump won. News. Yeah, on the plane. And I was like, I had I'd paid for the Wi-Fi. <laughs> I don't think Kulap had. And I was just like, it's not mm. happening. Uh, landed in China. And I was just like sitting in a Chinese airport going like, what the fuck is that? What just, what just happened? Do mm-hmm. I stay here? What, what, what happened? But then you have to go to, then you have to go to Thailand and then you have to stay the night in Thailand um, because of the time you get there or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but there's a hotel right next to the airport that everyone like has to stay in. Mm-hmm. There are, there are even hotels in the Thailand airport that we made reservations for. And then we found out you can't stay in them you you have to stay in them if if you have a connection. Does mm. that make sense? You, yeah. you you can't like leave the plane right. and stay in there. Anyway, so then you have There's to many stay rules. Yeah, so then you have to stay the night in Thailand and then you have to drive another no, you have to take a smaller plane to another part of Thailand and then take another like 8-hour van trip or something like that. So oh, it was God. just like it's so long to get there. I think we spent two days there or three days there like taking care of the situation and then had to do the whole trip in reverse you know um and that is <laughs> i was sitting there on uh i forget what country i'm in i think i was in thailand on this tiny plane and they're they're showing um videos and because there's so many people from so many different countries who speak so many different languages they were showing these just for laughs videos which are like prank videos that are that that are probably in French, but they're just like dumb pranks. I'm sitting there laughing so fucking hard <laughs> at this Just for Laughs pranks videos show. Uh, I was just like, oh my God, this is the funniest fucking thing I've seen. Anyway, that's how tired I was. <laughs> um, but yeah. It seemed like the whole endeavor took a big emotional toll on her. Now I know it yeah. well, especially, happened over the course of years though. Yes. So so the majority in the 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 of the filming happened when she was making these trips. And then, you know, you start to edit it and, and a lot of editing any movie is like figuring out what the story is. And then once you figure out what the story is, you sort of put temp places in of like interviews that you'll pick up later. Mm-hmm. Um so and were you helping with that yeah so years went by there's a, there's a scene in the movie where she just like loses it mm. and i the furniture had, yeah the furniture and i had been the one like asking her and these are questions that we knew i was going to ask because we knew we needed it in this part of the film <laughs> you know what i mean um but it still is like dredging up all this shit for her and so she like 
flips out and you know starts throwing over <laughs> chairs and stuff oh boy but yeah it's it's just like and that's the thing and she keeps watching it too like she'll get invited somewhere who want for a place that wants to show it and she'll always say to me as she's leaving she's like i'm not going to watch it this time and then she gets there is like well everyone was so nice and i you know I, uh, I just sat there. I watched it again. You know, it's just like uh, having to to w- relive it, relive that movie over and over. It's like it's a very it's 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 a very tough movie. But um, yeah, she's very brave for for making it. So, what mm-hmm. was it like? As what was it like to be her partner during all of this? Um, it's. I definitely think that I can answer that in terms of like the the latter part of it, um, because like I said, I think I was kind of not that present during a lot of the filming of it. But um, you know, it's that half half of it is her asking me for my opinion as you know uh, a person who makes things like what do you think of this you know and me sort of like gently trying to say well like oh i think this or this is this part of it's so awesome but i didn't really understand this part and then the other half is just like you know every day her having to watch this footage at night it's just like draining on her you know what i mean so it's just being supportive mm-hmm. i think is the other half or maybe it should be more two-thirds supportive and but i don't know Seems like it works out. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Right no, but the, it's it's a really cool movie, and people it's so watch it. good. Yeah, it's it's so emotional too. Um, yeah, yeah. Scott Ackerman. Hey, thank you for letting me pick your brain about all this. My stuff. pleasure. Are you someone who hates the phrase "pick your brain"? There are people who hate it. I don't. No, I don't care. Okay. There's there are phrases I hate, but that's not one of them. Ooh, what is one of them? Oh man, what did Circle I use back? to? Do you hate that one? No, you know. I I don't really hate there there were a lot when I was in my twenties and starting comedy there were because it seemed I, I will tell you one thing that I hate is when dramas start using jokes from comedies. Does that make sense? So like, like wait for it. Yeah. So take wait for it. Yeah. Okay. So a comedy or like people on the internet just first started wait for it right, but dramas know that they have to put levity into them but Mm -hmm. they haven't hired anyone funny to write them and so they'll just use jokes from other shows right like joke like common jokes you know like like one was uh i just threw up in my mouth a little bit oh right i hate that one ever so in the in the in the mid 90s i remember i feel like brian posting was one of the first people ever to say that but then everyone starts Mm -hmm. saying it and then and then um fun like comedy starts saying it and then funny dramas start saying it like buffy the vampire slayer and then dramas just like yeah. out and out steal it until everyone is saying it and it's like code it, what i find weird are the lunatics who laugh at it still and go ha, 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 ha <laughs> right threw up in your mouth a little bit um <laughs> that's what i don't like is when people appropriate yeah you know like people work hard on jokes let's right. you know right anyway I feel like let's stop calling it the interwebs. Oh yeah. I mean that's I an like old one, either. but Yeah, I get that. And I had a real problem with amaze balls for a period of oh, time. Oh yeah. You don't hear that one anymore, thankfully. You don't like that or when they call sports sports balls. Like yeah. any sort of sport it's sports. Yeah, ball. amaze balls. Yeah. I remember I was reading that in a lot of scripts. A lot of times Okay, I read a lot of scripts. 
And if your script is nothing more than just catchphrases that are in other scripts, that's how I can tell that you're not a good, you, you know, there's no craft to it other mm. than just like, I heard all these jokes in other shows and I've put them here, you know, and it's usually just slang. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like it hit me in the feels. Yeah. You know, and it's like if a character is just saying slang of like amaze balls and it hit me in the feels and all that kind of stuff. And there are no, there are no jokes in it. Then you usually go like, oh, this person isn't really a comedy writer. This person is like seen a lot of TV. Mm -hmm. Like it's very weird when you read scripts. I've been reading a lot lately. Are you hiring for something? No, no. Just like for something to do. Um, but I do produce a lot of stuff, so I'll read scripts, and we produce. We have a lot of great writers that we produce, but um, but reading a lot of scripts lately, you can tell when someone is a comedy writer that has never lived an interesting life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they're they're just like they're jokes that have no basis in life or reality, you know, and you, and I and I go like, it's so weird because to make something good you have to have emotional resonance to it, but most of the like nerdy comedy writers that start off have not, you know, are not in touch with their feelings and they're like expert at writing jokes, but they can't ever, you know, explain why they feel about something. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so I can always tell that when I see certain things like that, that I go, Oh, okay. This is like a 25 year old who's just out of college. Who's, who's never experienced anything. Right. Right. Here's my real last question. Okay. Do you edit your pot comedy bang bang? I I would prefer not to. Um, I try not to. Um, every once in a while, there, I'll I'll come out the other side on a show and go like, you know what? Shorter is always better. I feel like we we were trying to find it a lot. I let it run long. Like I sometimes I'll let it run to two hours if I feel like. Oh, that section wasn't really we weren't finding it. But I don't want to I don't want to cut it short or anything, so I'll 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 just keep trying new things, you know what I mean? And then I'll go back and like cut out a chunk where I was like, "Oh, that wasn't really working all that well." But most of the but time that's I rare. Yeah, most of the time I tried I should edit it more. I think that's what people would say. <laughs> it's like, "Why don't you edit it more?" Mm. Um, I just don't have time and I don't want to listen to him. Yeah. But, Same. Um, That's how I feel about mine. I feel like this could be greater. <laughs> I yeah. I think I just called it great. Yeah. I was reading someone, <laughs> some other podcaster was saying that like, yeah, we just cut out the parts that aren't interesting and it's great. We just cut out a lot. And I get it. I mean, I, but I don't I've, do that. I have a friend who does a podcast and they're so insane. They'll cut out any pause or any, um, or any, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, you got you got to be easier on yourself yeah. <laughs> you know i mean these things are essentially live to tape um people are people 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 are forgiving about it hopefully mm-hmm. you know so that's how i feel about it um i probably sh- if i were really really on it and trying my absolute hardest and the podcast was the only thing i had to do all week i would probably take an hour and a half episode and make it an hour and 15 Mm -hmm. and, and cut out things that, that were funny, but weren't the best thing or something like that. But I just don't, maybe I should, maybe I'll get there. Same. Yeah. I just, that to me just feels like, it feels like, where's the bottom of that pool? Like you could, how much are you going to whittle? Cause you could, when's the end? Exactly. Yeah. Because you could, especially if, you know, if you're doing, uh, 
one episode a month, it's different than it can be a, a work mm-hmm. of art. But if you're doing one or two a week, like when do you say it's yeah. polished enough? Exactly. Just let it go. Let it be out there. Um, yes, if there was ever a part where you're like, you know what? That wasn't interesting to me. Was it interesting to the person talking? Uh, let's just cut it out. I totally get that. But um, podcasts generally are hangouts mm-hmm. with people that people like hanging out with. And so, and not every conversation is incredibly scintillating 100% of the time. And I think people are forgiving of it. Right. I think that's what some people like about it kind of Mm -hmm. is how conversational they are. It's not, it's not the traditional talk show setting like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. It's like hanging out with people and listening to a really, you know, for the most part, interesting conversation with interesting people. And, uh, and if it dips sometimes that's fine too. Yeah. I think this one has been a plus. Okay, but I do. I I do know you have edited parts out of it because you've talked. You've you've motioned to Tony saying, "Hey, edit that part out." Edit so this part out. Don't I, I feel like out. I feel like you're bragging about how good this one was. Uh, but I know you're editing it, so well, just be honest. In fairness, the parts that I said to edit out were when I couldn't think of the question or I stumbled over a word or something. Well, in also, general, we're also in the middle of, of crap in. in the middle of one of your commercials, I may have. <laughs> Dropped an F-bomb. <laughs> Dropped an F-bomb and made fun of the, prod- the product. But you're, you're probably editing uh, that out. Maybe. maybe Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I personally thought the, uh, uh, the product would have enjoyed it, but who knows? You always you think that, right? It would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Edit <I've>, that out. <laughs> <laughs> Edit me out. Completely out of the show. Okay. Done. All right, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she just sounds it's, insane. <laughs> She's talking to silence. Have you seen... Um, Garfield without Garfield. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like it's that. Great. Yeah. Uh, Scott Ackerman. It's been so nice. That's your last question. <laughs> that's my. Last, I, that's the one I typically go out on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and how many people have seen it? Fifty-fifty. Fifty-fifty. Yeah. Okay. That's that's better than I thought. It's been so nice having you on the show. Thank, Thank you for having you for me on. I appreciate you catching up. You uh, having me on. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And a big surprise to see Tony here. Uh, Should I have warned you? I think it it would be kind of you next time yeah. to let people know Tony Thaxon is going to be sitting there in a chair when you walk into a room. I think that would be okay. What do you think? I mean, you don't mind that, Tony, right? I'm flattered. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I know that people, you know. Just as a heads up. Jarring to. Just as a heads up. Who knows if you're going to like this? Who knows if you're not going to like this? Right. Tony Thaxon's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to do that from now on. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Rose and listen to my other podcast, Childish. If you like what you're hearing, download, rate, click, leave reviews. It helps out the show. Um, I'm on Patreon. I'm also on Cameo. Scott, where can we find you? And p- please plug anything you'd like yes, them to look for. Not on Cameo. I think I, my new idea for a service is Cameo for people who don't want Cameo to keep contacting them. Oh, yeah. So that would be what that would be the thing that I'm interested in. The app that I'm interested in developing is for like people who you think should be on Cameo to right. just like get Cameo to leave them alone. <laughs> Yeah, I fell for it because they're like, we keep getting requests for you. And I'm like, yeah, really? No, okay. no, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> they, for the longest time, I'm like, they for sure made that up because I'm here and no one is No asking. cameos? Now, now, now I you're have done cameos. some. But for the longest time, no. So I think they had made it up. Okay. I don't know. Uh, people can find me on, mainly I'm on Twitter. Occasionally I Instagram, both at Scott Ackerman. Um, but... Uh, Comedy Bang Bang podcast every week on Mondays and Freedom. We're, we're just uh, starting to put out uh, the free ones of those on Thursdays. Um, so that's 
fun and there will be like 20 episodes of that for free so that's good and uh, the between two ferns movie on netflix please watch that go watch that tony at tony thaxton twitter and instagram my podcast bizarre albums and the uh motion city soundtrack tour coming up starting oh, on good new year's you. eve yeah how long are you going to be gone uh just about a month okay that's yeah. fun rude yeah. to me though right Oh, really? So you're leaving her high and dry? Yeah. For, for, for a little bit. For, okay. a, for a month or so. For a month. All yeah. right. He's going to produce from the road, but still. Mm-hmm. Were you? Did you leave that band ever? Or Yes, I left for a few years and then... Reunion a, now? Uh, yeah. Well, I came back for the... Well, what was the farewell tour. Oh, and okay. then now, now we're doing okay, this good. tour. Good. Three, yeah. Three People shouldn't do away. farewell tours. People should just do stuff whenever they want to do <sighs> The LCD sound mm-hmm. system part of it, it was like... Yeah, it was fun to do those big farewell shows in Madison Square Garden, but then like three years later, you just want to do it again. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And then we just—it's—it'll be fun, and it's like it's not going to be full time take over our lives like you. Yeah. You're like just every now and then we'll go yeah, do something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys, Good for you. this has been super fun, listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? time